You know, it's nice to think about giving to somebody and having them make the excitement on their face as they open something up. Um, you'll probably notice that Pastor Lowell's not here. Um, he gave me a shout around four this morning. Um, Nancy was sick, and uh, he was taking care of her, and uh, so he's been taking care of her all morning, didn't get much sleep, and uh, I asked him how he's doing, he said he's exhausted, but he's going to rest a little bit, he's going to show up, and I, myself and a couple other guys said, no, you're not, no, no, we want you to stay home and care for your wife, is what we want you to do, so uh, I said, don't show up, <laughs> no, I said, you can show up if you want, but you're not doing anything, you should probably leave and go be with be with Nancy, so um, so he's taking care of her, and uh, he's resting today. And uh, total different, total different uh, thread is, wow, do we need to rest as a body? Do we need to rest as as a as a society? We need to take time to rest. And often Lowell goes and goes and goes, and he does need rest. So um, I said, no matter what happened, said I'll take care of it, and I'll be able to open the word today. So. Um, I'm on a little bit less prep than Lowell, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, the Lord is too good. And we can be prepared at any moment to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Can we not? You know, we, we memorize scripture, we have it in our gut and in our heart, and chew, we're chewing on it, then it just, it should overflow out of us. And uh, an area that, uh, that I read often is a passage we're going to go to today, and um, I'm just going to open it up to you. But before I do, um, a time when you gave something that someone really appreciated. I don't, I'm, I'm 42 years old, and although we had this sweet Walmart here, I would consider myself a Kmart kid. I was a Kmart kid. Um, I remember as a, as a kid, we'd go over to Hagerstown, and Scotty and David Miller's mom was always there at the checkout and stuff, and I would be able to say hi to her, and she worked there for... I don't know, 100 years, right there off exit 5. I don't know if you guys know Halfway Boulevard. So if ever we needed anything, we didn't go to Walmart. We went to Kmart. Went to Kmart to get stuff. So I remember um, I remember as a kid, it's interesting that Pastor Brock said something about a bike. I remember as a kid going and choosing a bike and being able to, like, the one that was already assembled and be able to, like, pull it right off the rack and be able to, you know, walk down the aisle with my new bike and stand in line. My bike. You know, it's my bike, my bike. And I got that thing home, and after a couple of days, I, like, took the wheels off and put it back on my old bike because my old bike was better. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it was like the, the ratio was really hard. So you like, just pedal your guts out and not get anywhere. But then my other bike, you could go farther anyways. But uh, I would get stuff at Kmart. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that the 22, the 22 rifle I have is a, is a Kmart rifle. And it's a Marlin, and I still use that. I, I still use it. I take it out, and I think about it when I'm um, eradicating the horrible forests of these evil squirrels, you know. Uh, I think about it when, I'm, when I hold it in my hand, you know. I think, I think, you know, I got this thing Kmart, you know. Things pretty good. Well, uh, not only did we go to get that kind of stuff, but we also got clothes at Kmart, and I wish I had a picture up up here of me in my uh, Kmart shorts and my Kmart socks, the ones that are really high. I still wear high socks. Actually, my socks are up here. I still wear high socks. I don't know why. It must be, the, must be how I was raised. But uh, with a big stripe across, you know, oh, man, that was the greatest. And my daughter still 
will take a look at, at a picture and, and laugh at me, you know, when I'm wearing those. And I mean, they're going to come back in style. I know they are. Have they already come back? I don't know. They'll probably come back and out and come back in again. But uh, we go and get clothes there. So I played soccer as a kid, and we go and we get soccer shorts. And as I was thinking about it, um, Kmart was the place to go to get gifts and everything. Um, well, I'm on a soccer team, and my dad was the coach. And when you're a kid, you don't really, you don't really have any awareness of what's going on. And, uh, but looking back, I remember that most of all the other kids had the Kmart shorts, you know? And that was actually okay. Now, I guess it's not okay to wear Kmart shorts. You have to wear something fancy. But back then, Kmart shorts. But then there were some kids that they didn't even have Kmart shorts. So, as weird as it is, there'd be kids playing in cut-off jeans. They'd cut the jeans off um, just so they could have shorts to play, to play sports. And I remember one time that um, it was after the soccer season, and my dad took me and said, hey, we're going to go We're gonna go here and do some stuff, this, that, and the other. So I jump in the car with him, and we drive down to this, to these people's house that, uh, that one of the kids was on the soccer team. You know, I'm, I don't, I'm oblivious. I don't know anything. And dad pulls out a box of food, a box of food. It must have been roughly around now for Thanksgiving. And uh, we go up, and, and, we go, and I go with them, and we go up, and we knock on the door, and we give them the food. And I don't know if we said Happy Thanksgiving or Merry Christmas or whatever. I have no idea. But we gave them the food. And, um, you know, my dad, you know, my dad's here. He's got a heart for compassion for people. That's where I get it. And actually, I get it from the Lord. But demonstrated to me was my dad's heart for compassion for people. And as a kid, though, I didn't really... I didn't, I wasn't processing through, I wasn't processing through everything. I was just like, okay, in a box, people, I don't know, jump back in the car and, and I'm back home with my Kmart bike that's been repurposed, you know. Um, you ever give something to someone, they totally appreciate it. You ever give something to someone and you don't realize how much they appreciate it? No, we are, we are God's gift to be given to other people. And when we use our gifts for Him, God is thankful for that, is He not? God is thankful that we are doing what we're made to do. Because I believe that God has a plan. As a matter of fact, I know God has a plan. Whether as little Billy understood it or not, what was going on, Daddy doing something and Billy not quite grasping what was happening. I believe that God has a plan even if we don't quite understand or grasp what that plan is. So I want us to open our Bibles up to John 11. John 11. I was actually talking with someone this week about John 11. And uh, it, that's, that really is what spurred my mind. Because, you know, after uh, the person left, I started reading it and chewing on it. And, you know, I love the passage. I love John 11. Um, we're talking this, these next couple weeks about, about Emmanuel, God with us. And what better place to go in Scripture than in the Gospels where we see Jesus walking on the earth, a, a, a 100% God, a 100% man, as those in the theology class could probably uh, uh, share. 
share knowledge about. But God himself coming down in flesh and being 100% God and 100% man and demonstrating to us how we should live on this earth with the time that we have. So I want to, when I know it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a long passage, but it's more of a narrative, a story, and I think you'll be able to follow along. You probably have the ESV that you're reading from. I've got this Bible that I've had for a long time, and it's an NIV, so I hope you don't mind. It might not quite gel, but if you need a Bible at any time, if you need a Bible, there's our, our new Welcome Center. I'm so thankful for Christy for designing this. She's, she's awesome. But there's, a, there's Bibles over there. There's mints if you got bad breath. There's a pen if you need one. There's the gospel tracts, and there's information about what we're doing at Centerpoint. And uh, I challenge you afterwards to jump over there and take a look at it. But if you need a Bible, no shame. Just go up there and grab one or throw one out to other people if they need one. Um, I'm all about giving, the, giving Bibles to people. That's, that's the best gift so we can learn about Jesus. But let's go to, let's go to John 11. And I'm going to read, if you don't mind, and you guys can follow along. Hopefully it won't be too, too different. And uh, I want to read the passage, and then I want to talk about, I want to talk about God's plan. God's plan. John 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Jesus' compassion right there. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus' compassion right there. My Bible says yet, even though it's incorrect, hopefully your Bible says so, or therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by the day will not stumble for he sees by the world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell him, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there and wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Side note, very strange. That's very strange, isn't it? That Martha went out to meet him and Mary stayed at home because every other time that you read in Scripture, Mary's the one that runs to Jesus and Martha's the one, Martha's the one doing stuff. Very interesting. I don't know. 
That was for free. Rock caught that. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, yeah, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Emmanuel, God with us. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Now there, that's what Mary does. She falls at Jesus' feet. She falls at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. I heard that before from Martha. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept, compassionately wept. Then the Jews said, see how, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this to Jesus, when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now that, that is awesome. Let me pray. If I were to stop right now, Lord, you would be pleased. You would be honored. For we have sought this morning to honor you with the reading of your scripture, with giving ourselves to you, offering ourselves to you, with worshiping you through our voices in spirit and in truth. I pray, Lord, that these next few minutes would also be worship to you and to you only. Pray that we would understand this, this passage more clearly. All these things I pray in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay. That's a really good passage. I love it. And I'm not going to go 
one, one verse or one word by one word because it would take a long time. So what I want to do is kind of give an overview of what's happening in the passage. And what I came to the conclusion of as I was, as I was preparing for this was that Jesus has a plan. Jesus, he had a plan. He let him know what the plan was. He shared it with him. And then he accomplished it. And we're going to look in, uh, in different portions of this, of, the, of this passage, and we're going to unpack it a little bit. So let's take a look at verse 4. I could, should give a little background. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll trickle some background in there as we're, as we're, going, as we're working through it. And it's, it's interesting as I look at this, if you were, like my Bible's got the red, you know, when Jesus speaks it's in red. Does anyone else have that? Okay, some of you may not have it, but uh, when I look at just Jesus' is, Jesus is, is speaking, um, he doesn't sound like someone to me that doesn't know what's going on. Uh, he's like, the sickness won't end in death. Verse 7, let's go back to Judea. Um, hey, a man walks by the day, will not stumble, he sees the world. Our friend Lazarus has fallen, I'm going to go wake him up. He's dead, let's go to him. Your brother will rise again. These aren't, these aren't things like, these aren't questioning. This is, hey, this is going to happen. Boom, it's going to happen. Boom, it's going to happen. Boom, it's going to happen. He did not talk as one that was unsure or not confident in himself. He did not talk as one that was, that was questioning anything. Everybody else around him is questioning all types of stuff. And he's the only one that knows what's going on. And he's trying to tell them what's going on, even though they don't recognize it. So in verse 4, in verse 4, after he hears, someone comes up to him and says, Hey, Lord, the one you love is sick. Lazarus is sick. We know, because we've read the whole passage, that even by the time, because Bethany's a couple miles away, we find that in, uh, in verse 18, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, okay? But we know that from the time it took someone, a messenger, to leave Bethany, go to Jerusalem, find Jesus where he was at, talk to him. Even by the time he left, Lazarus had already died. Lazarus had already died. Because we know that, boom, about a day, they stay two more days, they get over there, it's probably the, it's the fourth day that they show up. Lazarus had died probably from the moment that the messenger left to go find Jesus. But when Jesus hears this, when he heard this, he says, the sickness will not end in death. No. It's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. That's really one of the main themes of this whole passage. But it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. God's glory. Jesus had a plan, and that plan was to glorify His Father. Everything He did, everything He did was to glorify God. I actually have it written down here. It says in Colossians 3, Whatever you do, work as unto the Lord and not to, the, not to men. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever, whatever you're doing, you're working for the Lord and not for men. If you're sweeping up a floor, if you're handing out papers at school, if you're driving on the road, if you're paying for something at, at you know, some store, if you're walking out of the store, every, if you're talking to your family, you're talking to your husband, your wife, you're talking to your kids, everything you do, every, every, everything you do is working for the Lord and not for men. Even in 1 Corinthians it says, whether we eat or whether we drink 
But whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. Plain and simple. And Jesus was trying to help the people that were around him understand that this is the purpose. This is our purpose. You got that same mentality? A little, a little rub here. Do you have that same mentality? That everything you do, you do is under the Lord? Did you do that this week? Can you think of a time where you did not do everything for the Lord? I was in Walmart. Um, the new Kmart, by the way. It's a brand new Kmart. Um, there are Walmarts all around here now. Um, I was in Walmart, and I was getting spaghetti sauce and some other things. Because I have a problem when I go through Walmart. I get one thing, and I come out with ten. Um, so I was cruising, and I was like, you know, just kind of perusing through, the, through Walmart. And I started whistling. I was listening to Christmas songs or whatever. And this old lady comes up to me, and she goes, I just want you to know, I've been listening to your whistle. Uh, ever since you came in the store. I'm, I, just, I just really appreciate you whistling. I can't hardly whistle. I'm just so glad you, you're whistling these Christmas songs. I was like, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, what are you going to say? Uh, so we started talking a little bit, and I had something in my gut, in my heart. I'm pretty sure it was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that was welling up in me to say something that pointed people to Jesus Christ's word. The, but I, I, I couldn't get it out. For some reason, I couldn't get it out. And I think the, Moses said, well, you know, God has helped me whistle good. I think that might have been it, you know. It was like really lame. I don't know what I was saying. Okay, thanks, bye, you know. And then I was, I was pushing, I was like, why did I not, why didn't I just, why didn't I just give him, give him Jesus? Why didn't I just give this lady Jesus? But for some strange reason, I didn't, you know, although I was whistling, you know, I did not have, I had the opportunity, and I didn't take the opportunity to point people to Jesus Christ's word. I know, it's a shocker. You know, uh, newsflash, I'm full of problems. You know. But earlier this week, I did have a chance. I was uh, picking up something at 84 Lumber, and um, I'd been talking with this guy for a while. And, um, and I met a friend of mine that, uh, that I went to high school with, and he had lost a child, and we were talking about that. Just, I was loving on him uh, through that. And, um, and I go inside, and uh, I, like, I like that guy, you know. And uh, the one guy that I've been dealing with, he said, yeah, that guy's a sinner. And I was like, darn tootin', he's a sinner. And then I said, Lord, this is an opportunity for me to point, point people to you. So we go out in the lumber yard, look at a piece of wood, and I said, and I stopped and I said, let's take a break here for a second. Let's take a break. And I just, I just talked to him about Jesus. And, uh, and I gave him uh, a gospel track and uh, I just shared Jesus with him. And um, it was a great conversation out in the cold, sitting there by some wood, you know. And there was my victory. But I have a lot more defeats than I, a lot more failures than I do victories. But the challenge still remains. In everything you do, do you point people to God? Do you do everything for God's glory? Now, I want you to chew on that. Even when we leave here, I want you to think about that. Do I 
Do I do everything for God's glory? Even talking to your spouse, cutting wood, mowing grass, interacting with your neighbors, driving by somebody and just waving a smile. Uh, do, you, do you exude God's glory by pointing people to him and to Jesus by your, by your life? Because God did that. Jesus, the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. He did that. He said, this is why this moment happens, for God's glory. This is for God's glory. Your, your friend died. God's glory, you know. God's glory. Hey, uh, you, didn't get, you didn't get the tax return. You went, God's glory, you know, it's for God's glory. Somehow it's for God's glory. I've got to figure it out. But somehow it's for God's glory. You know, it's interesting because if you go back just one page from John 11 to John 9, there's a lot of similarities between John 9 and John 11. John 9, the very beginning, um, little non-inspired thingy on the top of John 9 from my, in my Bible says, Jesus heals a man born blind. Jesus heals a man born blind. Um, and I'm just going to read, um, read a couple verses and in in, there's a correlation to it. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. And that's, this is the cause. This isn't the cause why he's blind. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. What? Nope. This person, just because they're blind doesn't mean they've sinned. But it's for God's glory so that I can demonstrate his glory. When things happen to you, when things happen to you in your life, when, when Mary and Martha are suffering because their brother died, when, when things happen in your life that you don't understand, do you say, God will be glorified because of this? God will be glorified because of this. Or do you say, like Martha and Mary, where was God? Where was God when this happened? Where was God when this happened? Or we try to explain it away humanly some other way. God is glorified and will be glorified. He is glorified and will be glorified. That is for sure. In everything, he will be glorified. So we go, jump back to John 11. So generally, he had a plan. You know, he immediately knew the outcome. God's glory. In general, God's glory. That's the plan. That's glory. But then he goes and he gets a little more specific. Because if we go down here to the, to the red writing in, in Billy's, Billy's Bible, it says, verse 7, the next portion, it says, let's go back to Judea. We're heading back, fellas. General plan, God's going to be glorified. Specific plan, we're going back. We're going back to Judea. Judea. What was the response of the disciples in that moment? They were like, uh, but Rabbi, uh, a short while ago, you remember when them Jews tried to stone you? Kill you? Remember that? You remember? You remember? You remember? Um, you're going to go back there? What did they do right there in that moment? Rabbi, teacher, 
the one they follow, in the very beginning of the Gospels, it says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. These men were really like second stringers. They, they, didn't get, they, they got passed up by the, by, the, by the other rabbis and they thought they were going to have to work the trade of their father, which is what the rabbis would say, either come and follow me or you work the trade of your father, which means you didn't make the cut. So these guys, are, these guys are, didn't make the cut. Jesus comes along and says, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They drop everything and they follow him. And they're saying, you're the leader. I'm going to follow you with whatever, you know, I'm going where you're going. They say, the, um, uh, covered with the dust of the rabbi, which means like when the rabbi would walk, the, the disciples would be behind, dust would kick up, and they would be covered with the, the rabbi's dust. You know, it's pretty interesting. That's how closely they walk behind. So Jesus says, we're going back to Judea. And what do they do? Yes. No. They're like, uh, pause, little question here. Um, I don't know if that's a good idea. I don't know if that's a good idea. You remember there's another disciple that did this. I think it's in Matthew. I can't remember the passage. But Jesus said, um, the gates of hell shall not overcome. He says that, Peter, who, who do people say I am? That you're the Christ. He's like, you did well. And then Jesus says, I'm going to die. And then Peter says, no, no, no. Uh-uh. No, that's not the plan. And then Jesus says, whoa, get behind me, Satan. You're following me, and then now you're going against my plan? So why would, he, why would these disciples, physically, humanly, why would they not want to go back to Judea? Number one, because they thought, we're going to get hurt. We're going to get hurt. Sometimes it's hard to follow God's plan, follow God's leading, because we think in the immediate we think in the immediate, I might, I might, I might actually suffer. I, I, I would, I might immediately have pain. They didn't want pain. They didn't want to suffer. Another thing is they were afraid a little bit, weren't they? They didn't want to go back. And for me, as a guy, as I try to process through it, maybe it's because they were weak. They weren't strong enough to depend on the Lord and what His plan was. And they started thinking in their own earthly mind, that ain't a good plan. We ain't going back here. But Jesus says, we're heading back to Judea. So the general plan, God's glory, a specific plan is we're going to head back to Judea. We're going right to the heart of the matter. We're going back. I might got a little ahead of myself here. You know, everybody's got their own plans. Even other people, like I've got a plan, other people come around me and they, they try to change, they, they talk about their plans and sometimes it doesn't jive with my plans and they might challenge my plans. The question is, are your plans in line with God's plans? What you have, if he says we're going to do this, do you say, yeah, let's jump on board, let's do it. When God, when you read your scripture, when you read the Bible and you see these things, Things that are tough. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do not repay evil for evil. Railing with railing. You know, when you see these things, it sounds, looks great on paper. It's great on paper. But when reality hits and you do have to, you have the chance to repay evil and it's really, really good. Like it's a really good moment to repay evil. And you don't. That's following God's plan. You follow God's plan even if it doesn't jive with your plan. Because we need to submit ourselves to His plan. 
even if our plans might not be the same. Because I'll tell you one thing. If you follow God's plan in your life, you will be unstoppable. You will be unstoppable. Whatever it is, whatever it is, find out how God has made you and how you can glorify Him, give Him glory. Find out what that plan is and run to it and you will be unstoppable for Him. So they show up. Actually, they started questioning themselves. They didn't know what to do. And, and they, they were saying, well, if he's asleep, he'll wake up. And, you know, and Jesus was like, okay, fellas, let me just tell you the real deal. He's dead, okay? And I'm going to go, and I'm going to bring him back to life, and then you guys are going to believe. And Thomas said, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you can believe. Well, let's go to him. In verse, verse 16, Thomas, he's not a doubting Thomas. They get to, he gets a bad rap. Thomas was strong. Thomas was a strong man, and he was willing to put his, put his faith to the test. He was one of those guys that was willing to step out. He gets a bad rap because he, because he, 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 he just was going through some stuff before he saw Jesus. But he's not a doubting Thomas. He's strong. He's a, faith, he's, a, he's a faithful Thomas. But, and this is a prime example, then Thomas said to the rest of the guys, let's go, and we'll die with him. I mean, that was, that was, that was I don't know what's going on, but I'm, okay, I'm going to go with you. That was a step of faith. So it shows up. Oh, this is, I was going to say something about how he responds. This is interesting because John 9, especially John 1 we just read, if we look at John 1, there's a, there's a verse in John 1, I think it's John 1, 5, and it says in John 1, John 1, 4, in him was life, Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And then we go to John 9, I just read a few moments ago, it says in John John 9, it says, as, verse 4, as long as it's day, we do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming no one can, when no one can work. When I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And then we go to John 11, and he repeats this. He, you see a theme here? He repeats the same thing. John 11, we come down here to verse 9. It says, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees the, the world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles and has no light. He's like, I am that light. People are stumbling. People are in darkness. Lazarus is dead. Pretty dark in, the t in, the, in that tomb. That blind man was blind. Darkness his whole life. People are not just physically dead, physically dark. People are spiritually dead, spiritually blind. And I am the light of the world. And I'm going to come and I'm going to show that light. So Jesus made a, made a comment. Hey, there's only, 12, there's only 12 hours of light. Let's get rocking. Let's do it. I got a plan. Another, another interesting thing about Jesus, his total side note, is that he never ran anywhere. You ever read that? He never ran anywhere. He's never ran. I run all the time. I ran down the hallway earlier. You know, I'm running, trying to go here and there. You know, Jesus never ran. Where he knew what he was going to do, he walked to it. He knew a plan. He didn't, it didn't stress him out. He wasn't like, I'm late. He knew. He right on time. Everyone else thinks, you're late. You're late. You should have been here earlier. No. I'm right on time, and I'm walking here. Another interesting thing is that he didn't heal everybody. He didn't heal everybody. He did what he needed to do for the main purpose of glorifying the Father. And that was his main goal. He walked into the towns, healed you, healed you, healed you, and he walk on. 
So, he, uh, he says, I'm all, well, I'm all in with, with the time I have. I'm all in with the time I have. I am the light to help men to not stumble. So another specific thing, and really, this is like specific plan and a general plan. This is something that, that Jesus did. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised him up from the dead. Um, I'm going to scoot down some stuff. Why did he do this? Why did he do this? He did it. He loved his friend. So specifically, he wanted to raise him back to life. He did it for his disciples. I just read, so that you may believe. So that you may believe. He did it for those two sisters. And verse 23, when Martha, verse 21, 22, when she's asking, hey, you could have been, if you were here, it wouldn't have been okay. He says, your brother will rise again. He did it. He did it for everyone that was standing there. In verse 41, Father, I thank you. You've heard me. I know you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. They may believe that you sent me. And he also did it for us. He did it for us as a demonstration. Specifically, he, his plan, but generally, so that we could read these passages and see who he is. And he, uh, he wants everyone to know one thing. The disciples, the sisters, those that were present. In that, that day and age, if someone died, the ladies would come they would come around and they would sit with the ladies that are mourning and they would mourn too. They would wail and they would weep and make all this noise and they would just, they would just uh, mourn with the people that were mourning. But he says it for this reason. This is the point of John 11. John 11, 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And the question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Uh, I believe on the, on, the, on the Welcome Center, there's a little track, and I gave it to that guy at 84 Lumber. And uh, it's one, all it is is the Bible and a little quick handout. And I think there's some over there. And um, I don't ever want to be tired of hearing the gospel. I don't ever want to be tired about hearing about the good news of Jesus Christ. That we are all sinners. That we, unfortunately, have lost the opportunity to enter into the kingdom of heaven because of our sin. And because of that, there's no way we can enter in the kingdom of heaven. Because of that, we've earned something. We've earned death. We've earned death. I know it stinks. But that's our wage. The wages of our wrong and sin is death. We deserve to never be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's what we deserve. Nothing we can do. Like Lazarus, we're dead. And then God said, Son, I want you to go down there and I want you to sacrifice yourself for them. I love this world so much that I'm going to choose to send you to go down and save the people.
people that I love so much. So Jesus comes on the earth as a 100% man, sinless, without sin, tempted in every way. You think he was hurting when he saw the suffering of Martha and Mary? So overcome with the compassion in this, in this chapter that even he broke down. Even he broke down and wept with them. Even He knew the plan. He knew we were going to raise Lazarus up. He knew the outcome. But he still, he still was overcome with compassion. And he wept. And Billy's thoughts, probably thought in his mind, this is why I've come. This is why I've come. To bring the dead back to life. So Jesus Sinless Jesus, the Christ, laid himself down on the cross, was buried 100% dead, and raised again to newness of life. He said, I've defeated, I've defeated that sin. I know it strangles you sometimes, but I've defeated it. I've defeated it. Don't let it entangle you. Throw it off. Focus on me. I'm the author, perfecter, the finisher. I am the one. You look to me, cast this sin onto the side, and you will be unstoppable for me. And all we need to do, it's crazy, it's crazy. All we need to do is, is acknowledge that we are sin in sin, that we are sinners. Acknowledge that God sent his son. And take our whole life and rest it on the fact that He is our Savior. No money in the offering, no good deeds, no come to church consistent. No, no. Rest our whole life on Jesus, and He will carry carry us, and He will throw open the kingdom of heaven and say, "Come in, come in, come in." So the disciples, they acted like they knew the plan. They didn't. Sisters partially knew the plan. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end here with one, one, last, one last passage, but I had a couple of things. You know, a delay in his love does not mean he diminishes his love. That's something to think about. Whenever you don't get what you want or get what you think you need or get what you, what you think God, God's plan is, a delay in his love does not mean he diminishes his love. A delay in his love means there's a plan that is going to set forth for his glory and show the fullness of his love. So we often think, man, if it just would have happened here or there, you know, it's delayed. He doesn't love me. Gosh, he loves you more than, more than you know. He loves you. You're worth one Jesus to him. You are worth one Jesus to him. That's how much he loves you. The sisters, they knew his miracles, but they didn't know that he is the miracle. Lazarus didn't do anything. All he did was receive the plan from darkness to light. I want to end with this, with this, this passage in 2 Corinthians. It's a passage I, I love, and I can do that because I can say it because I like it a lot, and I just want to share it, and it works. So, um, It's 2 Corinthians 4. I memorize it in a weird conglomeration of like King James, NIV, ESV, NASB. It's like kind of weirdness in my brain, but I've—I don't know. You stick them all together and print it out, and this is how I memorized it. It's for God, who commanded the light 
to shine out of darkness. That's Jesus. That's the Advent candle that's not burning right now, but, sh- but could and will, you know. But God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, that's that, that's that fireball coming down to earth in that video. That's the reading that Jason and his family read. For God, who commanded the light to shine in the darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light and the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It comes down, it shines in us. And now our responsibility is to give that light the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we hold these treasures in earthen vessels and jars of clay. Why? To show that the excellency of the power of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let me read it because I get it all mixed up. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So you think about a clay pot, it's been all cracked and, you know, the best light to shine out of a clay pot is one that's all cracked up, you know? Light shines better through the cracks, doesn't it? That's us. So the challenge today is this. How are you going to live out God's plan in your life, God's general plan to point people to Him, to a specific plan of where you need to go? How are you going to live that out this week? How are you going to let the all-surpassing power of God that shine in your heart, how are you going to let that shine? We have a ton of opportunities. We're trying to throw them out to you as, as best we can. Grab an ornament. Buy a shirt. Show up December 14th. Wrap it. And give it to a kid that needs a shirt. Buy a can of beans. And bring it next Sunday. On the 17th, show up and put it in a bag. Maybe even say Merry Christmas to somebody who looks like they need it. In the Walmart line. The new Kmart. The Walmart line. How are you going to show God's glory in your life this week? Now that is a challenge that we all can get behind. Let's pray. You are good. You are good. You are good. You love us with a love that we cannot even comprehend. You demonstrate your love for us and that while we were still sinners, you died for us. You are our focal point, just like in this passage. I pray, Lord, that we would give you the glory that is from you anyways. We would give it out to those that desperately need him, those that are dark and blinded, stumbling. We would help them see the truth of you and your son, Jesus Christ, by giving them the light. Help us this week, Lord. I pray all these things. Your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.